Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Zoe Digital Japan. Get more visitors to your website and convert them into paying customers. Zoe Digital helps foreign companies expand in Japan with digital marketing services. Look for the elephant logo at zoedigital.jp. Hello, everybody. This episode, I get to speak with an old friend of mine. We were having lunch recently, and our conversation was so interesting, so fascinating, I thought this content would make a great podcast. So, here she is. Yukie Kito is a film producer with over 20 movies to her credit, and most with industry awards, including one from the prestigious Cannes Film Festival. We discuss how she got her start in the industry, and it started in Hollywood. The challenges of being an independent movie producer in Japan, the big differences working in the Japan and US film industries, the reasons why there are so few movies with original content produced in Japan, why she recently cried when seeing the international successes of the South Korean entertainment industry, and of course, some great movie making stories and how she developed a close working relationship. With a certain famous Hollywood actor. So, roll the tape, shout action! Direct from Tokyo, this is Now in Zen with film producer Yukie Kito. Alrighty, are you ready? Anytime. Are you nervous? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all? Not at all. Anybody get nervous? Sure, some people do. Some people、oh. get nervous sitting in front of a microphone. Okay. I got some interviews before, so. Oh, that's right. You've been on the red carpet before. It's not that I'm on the red carpet, but I'm on the red carpet with the main people. Right. Like actors, director. I'm totally behind the scene kind of person, behind the scene kind of occupation. Well, you're a film producer. What exactly is a film producer? Film producer is a very vague idea for some people. Actors, you know what they do. Director, you have an idea what they do. Producer, you really don't know exactly what they do, right? That's why I'm asking. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, if you want to take the producer credit, maybe you can just come up with money. And say, I'll give you this money, you make the film and make me a producer. That's one way. I don't have the money, so I'm a hired producer. Or I come up with a project and find money to make a film. You raise finances. I raise financing, and sometimes financing comes with the project. Do you get the money from a bank or from private investors or some other source? In Japan, 99.9% of films don't go to banks. In the US, it's quite common. But here, financing means the film studios or video company. Not video, now DVD. Japan still has a DVD market. Or now, it's like streaming companies. So I go to those companies to raise financing. Financing? What else does a film producer do? What I'm doing now, a couple projects, I'm working with the writer. So the writers write the screenplays or scripts. And I work with them, I talk to them, you know, what it should be, but I don't write. Well, they're creative. Yes. And if you come in 
as the producer, you don't have the creative expertise that they have. Isn't there a conflict potential there? Could be, but then you can call it my eyes, uh, audience eyes. That's a good I make point. it clear that if I were audience, you know, I would feel this way, that way. That's how we collaborate with the writers. So are you considered then the boss of a movie? Oftentimes, yes. If I get hired by the project, I don't see myself as a boss. Mm -hmm. If I create a project and find the financing, I call myself boss. So it sounds like you are more the operations of the movie making rather than the creative. You know, the interesting thing about producer is I'm on the halfway on the both sides. Director is completely creative side. They usually don't get involved in financing, distribution, producer definitely. But at the same time, creative element is quite important work for me or for the producers usually. Do you consider yourself a creative person? No. <laughs> no. Really? Uh, maybe I'm being a little humble. You know, I, I'm, a, mm, I'm okay. So as a film producer, does that mean that you watch films differently than the average person? Do you notice things who's not a movie producer wouldn't notice? You know, that's an interesting question. I was thinking about that before. When I really, really like the film or series or whatever I watch, when I forget about my profession or the producer's angle, it means it's a great film or great uh, series. If I started to think, oh, this, this quality is not so good, or oh, this sound doesn't, you know, it's not so right, or this music is not right here, then it means my, my producer side is coming in. And then I guess that means the show is not that great. Okay. <laughs> well, you've been around film for a very, very long time. In fact, you got your start not in Japan, but in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Los Angeles, California, yes. Los Angeles. How did that all happen? I was an exchange student at college. and. LA is film capital, so I got part-time job here and there as a, you know, student. What were you doing? Let's say I go to a film set and then interview some actors and then send that tape or sometimes write my own stories or translate the interview into Japanese and send to Japanese magazines. That led me to a job at a Japanese company that was you know, doing a business in Hollywood. My part-time job as interpreter, writer of the, all the, those interviews you know, led me to a Japanese executive who was looking for someone to work at the office. I guess I was lucky because there are so many people who want to work in Hollywood. And you know, I could learn all those basic of Hollywood business. I was so blown away when I walked in a meeting room. There was this phone conference, not video conference back then. And I thought the voice was somewhat familiar. It was Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Whoa. <laughs> 
the company I worked for was uh, producing the film called GI Jane. Yeah, I remember that. So that's why she was on the phone conference. But I didn't get to meet her. I had a good start, I guess. I was lucky. So how long were you working in Los Angeles? 11 years. But I didn't work for 11 years. I think I was student for the first few years. So I think it's five or six years. So then you came back to Japan. Did you yes. get reverse culture shock working in the Japanese film industry? It would seem to me that it's old boy network. Mm. Actually, I didn't have the reverse culture shock because I was aware and I was ready. I knew I would walk into a completely the opposite business. What do you mean by opposite? As you said, it's a boys club here, right? And the senior men controlled everything. So I was very, I had to survive. I had to be extra Japanese. <laughs> still, still I was called Gaijin. <laughs> you, were, you were called Gaijin. Gaijin. Why, why is that? I thought I was being very Japanese, but obviously for them, I wasn't. <laughs> and wasn't that hard for you? You're living in Los Angeles for 11 years, right. learning the film industry. You come back to Japan and you have to act even more Japanese than Japanese to almost prove yourself? Yeah. Wasn't that frustrating? You know, now I think of it, it wasn't because I really had to survive. There was no time that I was thinking about frustration. And then, you know, I remember famous actresses and manager said to me, you know, it's really fun to work with you because you skip all the unnecessary process. So I said, excuse me, so what are the necessary processes? <laughs> because I didn't know. <laughs> but, but I think he meant it. He really liked the easy way. Like Japan, you must know. Sometimes you have to do this and this, and then you just can't get to the destination. Yeah. To get to the destination, you have to take the unnecessary steps. I mean, it looks unnecessary, but for some people, it's necessary. The process is more important than the exactly, outcome. Exactly, exactly. So I, without, unconsciously, I skipped the necessary process. And that must have been refreshing for some people. Yeah, when he said that, I think he meant it, hopefully. You were talking earlier about the film industry being an old boys network. In fact, according to the Directors Guild of Japan, less than 10% of the over 500 movie directors are women. But you know, this time I can use that word frustrated. Our business in Japan, more than half of the audience is women because we still have this housewife culture sure. Good point. And, yeah. and they go see a film during day like men work long hours so they don't have time to go to movies so working young women they also go see movies after work so most of the audience maybe I would say 60 to 70 percent of the audience are women why all the men decide what kind of film or how to make the film or how right. to direct the film that I'm really frustrated and we have uh, actually potential to have more women in the business, which actually I see the increase in the executives, you know, promotion, publicity, marketing, many, many women executives. 
But still, when it comes to making films, still old boys club. Would you like to make films? Do you think you could direct a film? No, I don't. I, I don't want to. I'm so happy to be behind the scene. Like a ninja. <laughs> a ninja is expendables, right? Oh, I don't want to be at Expendables. I want to control from behind the scene. <laughs> What's the big difference between the film industry in the U.S. and the film industry in Japan? First, the big thing is union. In the U.S., actors union, writers union, directors union, you know, producers union. It doesn't make sense because producer is the boss. They hire people, right? Right. No unions in Japan then for the film industry. You're saying. No, you know it's changing. The most important thing about union is try to protect the reasonable lifestyle and then you know limit the overwork. Before Japan, there was no sense of time. So from early morning to late night, every day. I don't think know. that's exclusive to the film that's industry. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, everywhere yeah. in Japan. That's true. That's true. But it's changing here. Even though there's no union, the situation is getting better. And I think the reason is Amazon, Netflix, Disney Plus, they came to Japan. We call them black sheep. So they're changing the system. And then also the people in our business, more conscious of not if we don't treat crew better, they will just leave. You know, we won't have quality in the business. Yukie, you and I have been friends for a long time, 15, 20 years. <laughs> the other day we had lunch together. Right. And we had a great conversation about your business, all right. the things that you're up to and all the right. great things that you're doing. Because you and kept it, asking questions. I kept answering the question. Maybe I was in interview <laughs> mode or something. Right. right. And I just thought to myself, we should be recording this. Oh. But during that lunch, you said something to me that was very interesting. It's about the South Korean hit series mm. Squid Game and it started winning some awards and you said that you cried. Right. Why is that? I cried a couple of days ago too when I saw BTS singing in Los Angeles <laughs> in a packed theater. Um, yeah, I, I, I cried for watching Squid Game actors on late night show. I cry for BTS singing on the Hollywood Boulevard yeah. because it's really the achievement from Asia. Both of them started not necessarily selling themselves for the so-called the West. You know, it was quite, you know, K-pop been popular for, I don't know, more than 10 years. Korean dramas and the films are very strong for the last 10, 15 years. But they weren't necessarily aimed for, maybe they did, but I didn't think they could conquer the world. But they did. So these were tears of joy then? Yes. Tears of joy and tears of jealousy. Jealousy. Envy. 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 Ooh, yeah. one of the seven cardinal sins. <laughs> Why do South Korean movies and dramas why do they look and feel different from Japanese films and series? First, the budget. They have the budget almost similar to Hollywood now. One of the most important export products for South Korea now. 
when the budget is different, it shows on the screen. You know, if it's an action scene, if you have so much money to do the action scene, of course you can find the great location, you can block out the area, you can fly the drone, but you know, you can fly the camera. But if you don't have money, <laughs> what you can do is just find some of the corner. Yeah, and use show, your iPhone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it shows on the screen. Why do they have a bigger budget? Because now what they produce, they can sell to the world. They can recoup the investment. But Japanese films, you know, it's vicious cycle, right? The budget is small, you know, not great actors, but we are familiar with their faces. So it does okay business in Japan, but it doesn't cross over to the world. But Japan has a lot of great cultural exports. I mean, obviously, anime right. is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't there big opportunities there? Should be, but my idea, you know, this idea is shared with people in my business. During the last 20, 30 years, I think a lot of talent went to anime. Because anime, you can achieve creative result without having so much money. If you are talented, I think anime or manga is a better industry. Like film, if you are talented, you know, you have small money to make. <laughs> it's either you go to South Korea, which is a competition and the language barrier. The talented people go to, unfortunately, other creative area. The last 30 years, 20 years, 30 years, I, I think we started to lose the creative challenge. I think that's the biggest reason. So try to take the safe side rather than doing it a challenging project. So let's say, you know, manga's adaptation, bestseller novel's adaptation. Rather than quality of the film, you depend on the original material. That kept going for, you know, a long time. And then I remember more than 10 years ago, Korean producers were asking, why don't Japan produce original stories? You know, so you're saying most of the Japanese movies are based on Based on something. Based on something, like, like a manga or manga, a novel. Right. You know, animation. Animation, yeah. Animations, live action, or TV dramas adaptation as a film. Right. Like, you go to the theater, there are so many Japanese films that are film version of TV drama. Couldn't you say that about a lot of American movies? I mean, how many Fast and Furious movies are there? How many Marvel movies right. are there? That's true. But then those are worldwide export. And the quality of the film is good enough separate from the original material. You don't have to watch all the Fast and the Furious to enjoy Fast and the Furious 8. Each one is quite high quality to be exported around the world. Does the government of South Korea, do they oh, yeah, yeah. subsidize? Definitely. Do they Definitely. promote? They did, maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago, they created this system to promote Korean dramas or films. So, and then also for the films, they had a quota system. So the theaters have to have Korean films at certain ratio to protect Korean film business. Okay, so there was a guarantee that any South Korean right, right. films would get a certain amount of screen time in the theaters compared to Western movies. Right. 
Also, the government spent so much money. I don't know exactly how much, but spent so much money to build the community, like help to rate producers, directors, writers, so that they can have a high quality. Like, and also, I think there, there are advantages. There are so many immigrants from Korea to the U.S. Some of them came back from the U.S. after growing up and then being exposed to Hollywood system, they come yeah. back. I think that also helped. But then, you know, the, the good thing about Korean government subsidy, their system is so fast. Fast? Yeah. Korea, China, they're so, everything is so fast, right? And in Japan, everything takes such a long time. So when South Korea's film business was uh, almost like passing us, you know, Jap- Japanese government started to say, oh, we should do the same thing. And they started to start that system. And it takes such a long time till it starts. And then before that, the politician who was in charge is gone. Although you have to start from the beginning. <laughs> and it really doesn't help anything. Right. So it's a waste of tax money. So I think Korean government did so well. Japanese speakers know that ZO means elephant in Japanese. ZO Digital Japan is an SEO and digital marketing agency based in Tokyo. Contact them to help your business grow traffic by four times, seven times, and even ten times in one year with services such as SEO, content marketing, pay-per-click advertising, and more. Head to the website zodigital.jp and look for the elephant logo. Well, you've been a producer or an executive producer of over 20 films, both Japanese and U.S. films. Which one are you the most proud of? You know, each one I have all the precious memories. However, if I have to mention one, it must be Tokyo Sonata. Tokyo Sonata. Right. Because I really didn't know much about producing back then. And I could raise financing from foreign companies. And they really, their executives really taught me how to produce. And then the result was great, winning so many awards because of the director. I think my contribution was that I could raise financing and I could get Kiyoshi Kurosawa, the director. Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Right. Is he related to Akira Kurosawa? <laughs> he, he says he gets that question very, very often, but he's not. He said he, it's a good thing. It's a great name to have in the film industry, that's for sure. Oh, it's a Kurosawa film. Exactly. <laughs> so. Well, it won Best Picture at the Asian Film Awards. It won the Mar de Plata Film Festival. And it also won a category prize at the prestigious Cannes Film Festival. Right. Of course, the film that you must be the most proud of. But not necessary for all the prizes. Again, at the beginning, I didn't know much about this work. I learned so much, and also, I could still live by using the title. Like, I'm a, I could be a one-time wonder. <laughs> sure. That's how I know how long we have been friends, because right. you actually invited me to the opening of that movie. Did I? Yes, and I went to it. Wow. Yeah, and that was in 2008. 
Right, with、uh, English subtitles. Yes. Okay. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Any other films you want to invite me to? Okay. Put me、yes. on your list. Okay. I will. I will. Let me think of it. So some of your other films are Retribution, Princess of Nebraska, Mifune, The Last Samurai, The Hottest State, O Lucy, One Thousand Years of Good Prayers. Thousand Years of Good Prayers. I really like that film. Why do you like it? It's completely a U.S. film, but it's an Asian story. So we are quite ahead of time. It's an adaptation of a short story. It's about Chinese woman in the U.S. Well, actually, Washington State, closer to Idaho. Oh, Spokane.、Uh, Spokane, Washington. We used that town as a location, and you know, her father visits her from Beijing for one week. So they have cultural gap because she's been in the U.S. for a long time, and they have a generation gap. So I really related to the story, even though it's Chinese and non-Japanese.、Yeah. And we were in Spokane, Washington, for one month, shooting everything there. And you know, I related this to the story, and you know. Why did you relate to the story? Because the main character is a Chinese woman who lives in the U.S. for a long time, who has a cultural gap with the people in the U.S., but she also has a cultural gap with the people in her own country. So, so in a way, it's a little autobiographical. But it's not about me, though. I. You I said you relate to the yeah, story. Yeah, but, but does, does that make make it autobiographical? It could. Really, but anyway, and then I became good friend with the lead actress. You know, now she's back in China, and we are still good friends. And I had a good memory of making the film, not just the outcome itself. Is she a popular actress in China? She's famous. She's very, very famous. She's called a muse. Anyway, so it's it's such a great thing working in this era that. You know, one Chinese actress, one Japanese producer working in、uh, Spokane, Washington, for a small U.S. film becomes、yeah. good friends. You、dinner. should write a script about that. Yeah, really? Make a movie about <laughs> and, making that movie. And, uh, you're you're American, so I can tell you this story. So Spokane, Washington, don't have. I have relatives from、okay. Spokane, Washington.、Okay. So you know, there are no, you know, restaurants like Ivy Place. The best restaurant opened it in Spokane, Washington, while we are working there. P.F. Chang. <laughs> oh, that's exotic. P.F. Chang、so, for Spokane must、exactly. be like really exotic. So we went P.F. Chang, and she explained how different from the authentic Chinese food. <laughs> so that was very international and interesting. Did it win any awards? I think it won. Something. <laughs> oh, you think it won something?、Yeah. You produced the movie. You should be able to quote all the awards. Know, you should、I、have、know. them hanging on your walls. I know. I know. I know the.、Uh, so there are two main characters: the Chinese woman who lives in the U.S., the father who visits from Beijing. The father, the actor, he got best actor for some kind of award. <laughs> You've been involved with numerous film genres: romance, 
comedy, jidaigeki, samurai movies, and horror. That's very eclectic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your criteria for choosing a project? You know, the, the project I've been doing, it's all kind of unique because somewhat have an international element. Not like completely domestic. So, so is that your sweet spot? These Japanese films with an international angle to them? I guess, I guess so. I think um, my, the films I do, the budget are not that big. What's a typical budget for one of your films, can you say? Yeah, all the Japanese films, like in the US dollar, two to three million okay. or, or less. My films, budget is not high. However, the quality is relatively good. And then oftentimes can go to European film festivals. But what's your criteria? When you, when you, you must get a lot of projects, a lot of offers. And how do you decide, this is a project I want to do? Instinct. Uh, one project I'm working on, I was talking to my senpai producer, female producer, and she started to say, this is the project I have been wanting to do, but most of the executives turn it down, and they, of course, all, all the men. And I said, I've never gotten excited so much recently. I love this project. I want to make it happen. So we started to work together. I started to bring in international element. Now I'm working with a writer. What does that mean, international element? Actually, the U.S. streaming company, who haven't got an office here yet, was looking for Japanese project. So I talked to them, and they really loved it. And then I thought, ah, I have more choices here now. So I started to talk to other companies too, and I chose the best one. And now we started to, to write the script. You know. Congratulations. Thank you. So that was really just the, not necessarily about the genre, was the instinct. So right. you don't focus on anything specific like, I like horror movies or comedy, romance. You do anything as long as you're interested in yeah, it. Yeah, like Oh Lucy. Oh Lucy, available <laughs> on Netflix right now. Thank you. Oh Lucy, I wasn't attached at the beginning. I was kind of a consultant to the director. I turned it down once because I thought the director, Atsuko Hiranagi, I knew she was super talented and, and I loved her personality. But then I told her straightforward, I'm not interested in middle-aged women's struggle in life. And then a single middle-aged single woman being miserable. Because I'm middle-aged single woman, I'm not miserable, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, it's not like that. You know, if you can read the script, and then you can turn it down. And I read the script, and I thought, wow, she had the talent and this story is great. It's definitely a story about a miserable middle-aged single woman, but it's not just that. In terms of the genre, maybe I didn't like it, but I loved it. So in regards to maybe like famous Hollywood actors, you have produced movies that had Ethan Hawke, Josh Hartnett. How do you go about selling yourself or selling your project right. to these quote-unquote famous American actors? You know, Ethan Hawke, it was an interesting relationship because I'm sure all the business, it's after all, it's about people, right? 
When I was in distribution business, I distributed a tiny, tiny, like micro budget film he directed. I had to sell the film itself. And then I became friends with him through the film he directed that, that I distributed in Japan. Which film was this? It's called The Chelsea Walls. Chelsea Walls. Yeah. You know, the, have you ever heard of the famous hotel in New York called Chelsea Hotel? It's closed down. He lived there. Well, not really lived there, but he spent so much time there. So he made this small film about people living there. And that was made really low budget. Did it do well? It did okay in Japan. He really helped, you know, the distribution. So that's how I got to know him. And then after a while, I was in New York and I thought he was doing a play. I thought maybe I'll just surprise him. I was waiting outside at the theater after the show, like just a fan. And I said, hi. Like, and he said, whoa, what are you doing here? And he said, actually, it's so strange. I, was, I wanted to talk to you. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> but anyway, next morning we had breakfast. He told me about his film project. And he said it was really a good memory that the Chelsea was business. Wow. So I thought, That's and a then great story. yeah, yeah. And then I read the script, and it was a very fresh young love, and I I loved it, and that turned into uh, working together. So I raised financing in Japan. And this is the hottest state. Right. Did it do well in Japan? It did okay. Yeah. You know, it's a very art house film, but I think it was, you know, it did well. Well, Ethan Hawke, he sounds like a pretty nice, down-to-earth guy. Yeah. But in your industry, there are a lot of big egos. Right. How do you deal with that? You know, I really haven't worked with big egos people. I hear all about, oh, he's so difficult to work with, oh, she's such a diva, but I really haven't worked with them. I, my, for me, life is short. I, I just, I avoid them. A lot of the films you do, are they art house? Are they, they're low budget? So yeah, yeah. there's people that are really appreciative that they're actually mm. making a movie. Is right. that maybe part of it? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. My films are categorized as art house film and the budget, are low, uh, budget is lower. I think the people I work with on those films do it for passion. You know, it's, it's, it's not a good thing if it's only for passion. It means it's excuse for not paying much or excuse of not getting paid enough. Right. But I think it's a balance. That's cool. That's interesting. Most of my guests on this podcast are, are foreigners. Right. And so I always ask them... I'm honored. Well, I'm the one with the accent. You're uh, native-level English-speaking Japanese. But the question I ask is, what is your favorite Japanese word that doesn't have a direct English translation? Have you ever heard of mono no aware? Mono no aware. Right. I don't know how to translate it. Explain it. It's like you see something that doesn't last long in a very Japanese, let's say, Kyoto kind of 
you know, environment. Like a cherry blossom or something. I guess so. It means something that appears. Something disappears. Something that disappears. Right, right. I think your listeners could explain better. <laughs> and they, and they, Japan specialized foreigners. Hold on a second. Let me see. The translation of Mono no Aware is pity the person. <laughs> Look at that. Pity the is person? It, is that kanji correct? It's all hiragana. You know what? You know what? What you can do is you type in with alphabet, and I'm sure, I'm sure the good explanation will show up. Mono no aware. Pity the person. <laughs> just I wrote it in English. Mono no aware. Right, but don't don't try to translate. Just just Google. Google oh, the sentence. Okay, hold on a second. See. See? Yeah. The pathos of things. Also translated as an empathy toward things. Or a sensitivity. Wow. A Japanese term for awareness of impermanence. Hmm. Transience of things. And both a transient, gentle sadness at their passing, as well as longer, deeper, gentle sadness about this state being the reality of life. Isn't that very Japanese? Yeah, it really right? is. It's hard to translate, Mono right? Mono aware. When would you say this? I've never used it. <laughs> but you just said it's your favorite phrase. <laughs> because you asked me. It came up to my mind. Wow, I mean, it's a great <laughs> phrase, but you've yeah, never yeah. used it. I never used it. Oh, you were asking me more, more like a, in a daily conversation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Endio? Endio. Oh, I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> but Endio could be translated as uh, being reserved. But reserved is more like you don't want to be reserved, but actually pretend to be reserved, right? You actually want to have that drink, right? but you're like, oh, I don't want to be the only one drinking a glass exactly. of wine, so... No, or, thank you. or when you are doing a business, like so many older Japanese men, yeah. and then they are supposed to drink quartz, and they say to a young man, like, oh, come on, come on. He says, no, 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 I don't deserve that, right? Yeah, that's endio. Right. But then don't endio doesn't mean don't endio, right? Right. <laughs> you <It's>... can endio, <laughs> but I'm just saying don't endio. <laughs> You know the Kyoto culture? Have ever heard of the... I used to live in Kyoto. Oh, you, you did? Before we met? Yeah, when I was in university. Oh, so you know those Indio thing. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure. Tell me, what is it? I hear like if the Kyoto people say, after you meet for the first time, oh, come next time, come, come to my house. It means don't ever come. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had to be in any of your movies, like an extra or a fill-in, do a cameo, like Alfred Hitchcock? Actually, that's a fun question. I can answer. I mean, most of my films. Not because I want to be in the films, but to save money for the extras or actors. <laughs> do you get the film credit? Like Lady at the Bank or Woman Screaming at Passenger? No, I don't get the credit. Once I played a 
TV reporter in the TV news that main character is watching, and he realized that we were shooting in Izu. You know, we didn't want to hire so-called day player. Need in only one day. It's a lot of money. Do you money. ever need any gaijin day players? I will ask you then. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> offering. I'm just, I'm just wondering. <laughs> hey, hey, look. I'm not gonna be. A, I'm not gonna be a day player, babe. Come on. I want. I want a starring role. Come on. It's a chance. Anyway, so I, I, when I'm a producer, I didn't want to spend so much money on that part. And then also, quite frankly, there are no good actors for that kind of category. You know, and then if they're good, then of course it costs a lot, you know, so much money. But it's just a TV reporter in the news. So I said, you know, okay, I will do it. And then I didn't tell the lead actor that I'm the TV reporter. So he was seriously acting, and he saw the TV news and he cracked up. So you actually surprised him. You got the reaction. So you see, you should be a director. <laughs> and then, but then it's a serious scene. So he was complaining. You should have warned me so that I didn't have to laugh. Take two. <laughs> right. So anyway, so that's the reason. But I yes, the answer is yes. I'm in most of my films. Makes sense. Wow, you sound really down to earth in your business. I mean, I only know you personally as a friend. We've never really talked too much about your business, other than just generally how you're doing, what's going on, blah blah blah. You know, in business, I'm a win-win type of a person, and usually the entertainment industry is known to be very cutthroat. Right. But you sound like you're the type of person that you want what's good for the. Film for the actor, for you, and for the audience. You want everybody to win. Wow, what a great way to say it. <laughs> well, thank you. It's a really a good way to say it. But I think that's what I aim because my works probably seems relatively glamorous, but I'm so unstable by being basically a freelancer. Independent. Right. And Japanese producers, TV drama films, they are mainly company employees, Toho or Fuji TV. You know, I'm such an independent. So, you know, I enjoy this freedom of doing whatever I want to do. I hope Win-Win could be the good step for the next project. If I make some people miserable, or then there won't be next for me. I can turn down the one I don't want to do, but if I do, unless everybody is happy, it won't lead to the next project. So you know, I think it's not—it's not like I'm being a nice person, but I think it's my, you know, way to survive in the business. It's your philosophy. Yeah, but you—you you must be the same too, right? You said you want win-win because yeah. that works for your business, right? Yeah. Well. You know, we've been friends for nearly 20 years, and this is literally the first time that we've really sat down and talked business. Yukie, thanks so much for joining Now and Zen, and、uh, it was、you. great learning more about you. <laughs> and I can't wait for you to come to my set and be a day player. <laughs> day player is my middle name. <laughs> thanks, Yukie. Thank you, Andrew. And that was my friend Yukie Kito. Film producer of over 20 movies. Many are available on streaming services. 
And we mentioned Oh Lucy is available now on Netflix. The entire catalog of UK's movies are listed on the IMDb website. Look them up and check them out. There are really some wonderful movies I'm guessing you might not have seen yet. If you want to listen to some past Now and Zen conversations you have not heard yet, these are available at nowandzen.jp. If you enjoy this free content, leaving a positive comment wherever you listen to podcasts would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening and catch you next time.